we need to put the match on the background, don't we? I hope it doesn't distract you. No, it will a bit. Will it? No. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. You <laughs> <laughs> can pause it and get a penny. Hang on a minute, who's on lean maskings? Alright, Gaz. Gadgy goo. Or should I call you Tash? You can't say that. <laughs> I like to bring up there the origin origin of strange nicknames at the start. Right. Why do we call you Tash? Right. So, back in the day. No, actually, going back even further. When I started playing football for Della, right, my dad had come and watch me. And then Mike also was in that same Della team. And back then, my dad did have a slight Tash. So, knowing Mike also and knowing all them what, everyone had a nickname for everything, didn't they? So, straight away, it's Tash. It became Tash then, and it's just fucking stuck. Have you ever thought about growing a moustache? I did, actually, in lockdown, and I shaved everything off, and I, I FaceTimed you, actually. Oh, yeah. I did it, and it, I looked like my dad. Yeah. And Jem didn't like it, so... No, I don't, it off. don't think many people like it, <laughs> did they? <laughs> like a six o'clock shadow under my nosy dog. <laughs> <laughs> Your name's been mentioned quite a lot on previous podcasts. Have you been listening to them? Uh, I have, yeah. I've listened. How many has it been? It's been about six. You've got number eight now, mate. Number eight. I think I've listened to about five. Dog walking material, that. Yeah, well, you're you've been involved in a lot of anecdotes, I think, because you always seem to come up on every every time. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. Well, we met in high school, but you didn't join until year eleven. Ten. Was it year ten? Mm. What was it like joining a new school at that age? Do you know what? It proper wasn't as bad as that as anyone would think it would be. Like, because I played with Mike, played with, like, Pricer and Brent, and, like, I'd been out with Brent, who was out with, like, Weird All and stuff like that, so, and I think I knew Lewis Cameron. So you knew, all, you knew all the footballers and the popularers, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Came straight into our form. Yeah. Out of L. L. Do you know, um, one of my funny, one of the funny moments, I was going to use it as my funniest moment, but then, um, it was, I think I joined on, like, a Wednesday, and that Wednesday to Friday, that first school week of hearing everyone's nicknames and why they had them. And oh, I can just like, on the Wednesday, I remember, it was Lewis Cameron and Lewis Price and they were like slagging each other off. And uh, <laughs> Lewis, Lewis Cameron was like, oh, you should be at the Masters, you. And I like doing this, grabbing like a golf club with his chin. And was like, I'm playing golf with his chin. <laughs> He was like, yeah, well, you should be at the Yankees and was playing baseball with his nose. And <laughs> I just remember being absolute stitches watching them both at each other's necks. It was brilliant. Oh, can you imagine getting them on here? Oh, Luke Amo needs to be there. <laughs> I'll try You know what? He'd be, he'd be up for it as well. Then. He's on Instagram, isn't he? I'll try and reach yeah. out to him. But, um, yeah, you and me, since you joined high school, we've been good mates ever since. Do you remember the night you pretty much forced me to stay at your house after a night out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, why did you do that? <laughs> Chill out, they were like student times, I was about 20 quid to get home, but I'm splitting that with someone. It was about four in the morning, I don't want to spend any more time with you. Yeah, because what happened, we'd, we'd come back from like a venue or something, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, we got in the taxi, and me and Ol lived on White Swallows Road, and we literally like, got out, we, 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 the taxi was outside our house, and Ol got out, and I went to get out, and you physically grabbed me when you were coming home with me, like that. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why? And you were just like, come here. And then we, um, yeah, went back to yours and we just like made a sandwich, <laughs> but the butter was too hard, so we put the butter in the microwave. 
Do you remember that? No. Oh. And then, yeah, I, I went to sleep in, um, I think, did your sister's... It was my, it was my spare room. Your spare room, your sister's old room. And I was ill, mate. I felt sick from being out drinking all night. And I was, I threw up. You, you've got like, have I told you this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've got, I've got an extension outside that window, haven't I? Yeah, and I, 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 I could have just got to the toilet, but I didn't want to let you know. So I pulled my head out of that window and I threw up on the extension. <laughs> so then I went and got like a glass of water. Or I think I had a glass of water next to the bed. And I, I, because I didn't want to wake anybody up, I was just going back and forth, filling up this glass, like pouring it on the, on the garage. Because that wouldn't wake anyone up, would it? No, we're going across the landing six times. <laughs> Maybe it was more than six. I made about twelve trips, honestly. Really? Yeah. But um, I didn't. I don't think I, I didn't tell you about that till long after. Mm, I remember I, it was a good few years after. Yeah, I was really embarrassed about it. I didn't want you, your mum and dad, to think less of me. Put it on the podcast. Then. <laughs> your mum and dad won't listen to this. You can't. You can't raise your eyebrows on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm surprised you've not brought up yet? Actually, go on. Is when I first started. I don't think me and you really saw right to eye. I don't remember that. Mm. I feel, I don't know, it was just like a bit awkward between us. And after a good couple of months, we turned into like the the yard prefects. I remember that. Yeah, and we used to go around and we'd be like fucking poking the year nines and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean like, that time needs to be a bit longer there, sir, and all that, and like proper belittling all these little and kids. And did this eyes out? Absolutely, yeah. I felt so bad for it, and like... But, but why didn't we see eye to eye? I don't know. I don't remember that, I think you made that up. I feel like that was like the first time me and you actually started hanging out together and like laughing and joking with each other. Yeah, but I don't think there was any, any beef. No, no beef as such, no. There will be if you carry on. <laughs> Watch your mouth. <laughs> but we've been on some uh, good holidays... As well. Do you remember when we went to Zanti and you had been out all night the night before the flight? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how you did that. No, it was me and Weirdall, wasn't it? No, it was just you. No, it wasn't. It was me and Weirdall and you and Raid got off early. And me and, me and Weirdall rocked back to the hotel at like half five. Oh, no, that's going back. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, sorry, do you mean flying out? Flying out? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'd went, I'd been um, United were playing. It was like a Saturday that we... What day did we fly out? Must have been a Saturday night then, yeah. Saturday. Or Sunday morning, it was a morning, wasn't it? Yeah, and I'd watched United on the R5 on Saturday, and I didn't get in until about midnight, and I was fucking steaming. Like, I threw up all in the sink, threw up in the toilet, and then got to sleep at, like, say, 12, half 12, and then news were knocking on my door at, like, half two in the morning. I remember bawling down the stairs in my undies, opening the door, <laughs> and you were all there, like, corona in your hands, like, fucking... <laughs> Sombreros on and all that, like buzzing for the holiday, and I was like, oh my days, I cannot be arsed with this. Yeah, you, you looked angry, but yeah, now you mention it, we had an early flight coming home, didn't we? So mm. we just stayed out, or well, you did, I stayed out for as long as I could, and I thought I need to go home and get an hour's kip or something. But I remember going back to the hotel and literally shutting my eyes and waking up, like someone, wake, Ray waking me up, going, right, we need to go. And I was like, well, I've not even been asleep. Yeah. Oh, I was angry that, I was the worst flight of my life. Mate, all in 18 to 30s holidays are always undies times to fly. Like, that, that must be how they're so cheap. But, um, oh, it was horrible, that. One of today's top stories. Mm. I should have had all on for this one. Psychedelic compound in magic mushrooms, promising for treating depression. Hmm. So what are your thoughts on the old psychedelics? I've never had them. But, I, to be honest, I'm a bit... I'm a bit iffy about taking them, because I don't know what I'd be like. 
like you hear these horror stories, don't you? Of like people in hotel rooms and stuff who take it, and then suddenly like the floors lava, and they're like, I can't touch the floor, and you end up jumping out the window and stuff like that. So you've never taken mushrooms? No, uh-huh. no, I don't know if the environment was right. I might consider it, but I, I don't know. What drugs have you taken? <laughs> You're steaming. You can't ask that. <laughs> but I'm not always open about it. I've had a, I've had a bifter back in the day. <laughs> Magic bifter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's probably about you it. You know, Jem's going to listen to this, don't you? <laughs> oh, I'm not coming again. <laughs> <laughs> well, all said, really, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you're comparing me to Ollie and expecting the same outcome. <laughs> also, when he, uh, he felt like he went to another dimension when he took washrooms. And I said to him, yeah, it's crazy what the power of the mind can do. And he said, but what if it was real or like a portal? <laughs> you know, like, I've never took her, so I didn't argue. <laughs> what do you think? Do you, do you think that could be a possibility? Yeah, I've, I've, um, I've spoke to Belle about it, like uh, DMT and and like psychedelics and stuff like that and about how I don't really know how to explain it probably asking the wrong person but I can I'm, I'm open minded I could get on board with it but whether I'd do it or not I'm just not sure but if it's treating depression though like I feel like everyone's depressed at the minute everyone should start, just start taking mushrooms could be the answer mm, yeah I suppose should we do some after this not allowed anyway <laughs> right let's start with uh, your most embarrassing moment you didn't give me much uh, info on this one, but you just said the goat incident. Now this sounds a little bit Gavin and Stacey fishing trip. What happened with you and a goat, mate? So, back when I was about nine, I uh, went on a family holiday to Cornwall. I think it was Cornwall. Memory's a bit easy, I've not got a very good memory. So who was with you? Family, so mum and dad, brother and sister, all of the brother and sister. And we're in like this tiny little little village like gone for an ice cream or something like that really small sort of enclosed village uh walking down like through like the the main street street if you will and there's like a shed on the right hand side quite a big shed i go up to it and i can hear like animals rustling around in there and like goats doing goat noises and all this what were the noises <laughs> i knew that was coming i can't recall me so i was like they're curious and it it didn't have any locks in it or anything. It just had one of them, um, like a gate, a gate thing, you know, a little metal thing that you, put, you slide across. So I was like, oh, I'll have a gander in it. <laughs> I slid it open, opened it. About 20 goats just flooded out of the shed and were just scattered all around this village, just going up. So I was like, wow, what's going on? What's going on? So you've unlocked the shed? I've unlocked the shed and all these baby goats have smoked out, going mad. And I just remember I got this vision in my mind of like seeing like this goat like stood on something it probably shouldn't have been stood on like a fountain or something like that. I was just wondering why. And I feel like a farmer came out and was like booting off and I was like proper panicking. I don't know if anyone pointed me out or anything like that but I just remember like saying to my mum I was like mum my legs are like jelly. Because <laughs> you're nervous. Yeah I was shaking like a shitting dog. <laughs> They always bring it up, so yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. But when you 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 know you're nine years old and you've wandered off, has your mum not said where's where's little Gareth? Do you know what? When I was telling Gemma this story, she said she'd never heard it. The first thing was, where was your mum and dad? I was like, well, you say it like that, it's a, it's a good question. I think <laughs> yeah. they were they were around. They weren't just on my own. I'm probably looking at a map. Yeah, they don't know what was, <laughs> they don't know what was in that shed. It could have been a bunch of 
hyenas. Well, it should have been locked then, shouldn't it? <laughs> I'm an inquisitive guy. Did you piss yourself? You said your legs were like jelly. Yeah, I don't think I did, but I wouldn't have been surprised if I did, because I was fucking shitting it. Did you cry? Yeah, I think so. After it, after it all like boiled over, I was like, yeah. You've got a history of crying. We'll uh, come to that later. Wow, I rapper don't know where that's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought your most embarrassing moment could have been um, when we all saw your skid marks at camping. Oh, no. So, as Bell eloquently put the other week, he was like, everyone's had skid marks, and if you say that you're not, you're fucking lying. Yeah, but come on, mate. You had white boxes on. Just white boxes on. I don't even think they were boxes, I think they were just under. Yeah, they were Calvin's then, mate. Oh, yeah. And you were like on top of a car, bent down. <laughs> and, every, and it wasn't just a little skid bar, mate. It was right It weren't that big. It was. Do you know what? I remember like crouching over and just hearing, I think it was like weird. I was going like, what's that? <laughs> Everyone just went, <laughs> It was hanging. Hey, mate, I've been camping for about three days. These things happen. You also could have talked about your most embarrassing moment, what happened on your stag do as well. Is this the tiny person story? Yeah. That's not embarrassing. Yeah, I think. Hmm? I did have a candle up my bum. Yeah. And <laughs> did he sit, he sat on your face, didn't he? No, I think I was like strapped to that pole, wasn't I? And he like jumped on top of the pole and was like thrusting his penis in my face. But I'm sure you, you said to me, I don't know if you said this to me, in um, confidence but might have been over a pint and you just went I think at one point he sort of he entered me what is Willa? yeah in your gob <laughs> in your yeah. gob was it your gob I don't know I can't remember you said something he might have done to be fair he was very naked yeah he said something happened that maybe shouldn't have happened yeah that's yeah, not embarrassing though is it it happens on every stag do well, I'm just glad it weren't like some someone rotten like at least he smelled clean yeah. He was a nice guy as well, to be fair. He stuck around for a bit, didn't he? Had a, had a beer and that. <laughs> Sorry, right, yeah. Didn't your brother get you some d- dissolvable shorts for that stag do as well? He did, yeah. The trouble is, it was freezing that weekend, so no one went in the pool. Yeah, there was a pool party on the Saturday, wasn't there? And the, um, we cancelled it because it was about minus five and everyone was buying jumpers. It still pisses me off, that. Mm-hmm. There was a mass... Go on. I was actually speaking about it today with a, a Whinge and a couple of us and saying, like... Absolutely ruined it. Yeah, there was a massive heat wave in the UK, and we went and spent a load of money to go sit under a cloud for three days. Mm. And I remember watching Arms Under the Hammer in the room. Like, <laughs> that's how bad it got. Did ya? It wasn't that bad, was it? We still went out waiting, waiting to go out, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, there wasn't one bit of sun, was there, all weekend? Well, no, when we landed, we went out for the first initial pints when, like, my London mates melted with us. And it was nice then. Because we went like riding that bull and all that, didn't we? So it was nice for about four hours. And it was like minus five for the rest. Well, let's talk about your disgusted moment. The Pringles tube. Mm. So is this the same incident Mr. Halsall spoke about on the podcast? Mm, that is correct, yeah. So it was in Gumbert. That's right, yeah. Our first lads holiday, which gets brought up all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> what do yeah. you remember from it then? So the way I remember it is it was like the last day. And everyone was like tidying the rooms and stuff like that, like fixing broken windows and all that. I think I was chilling on the sofa and I had a knock at the door. <laughs> so I got up, opened the door and you've got to bear in mind it's like 40 degrees in Turkey in it. The sun's like blaring on like our front, the front of our hotel room. And there's this Pringles tube there. I'm like, wow, that's random now. What's that? I just remember looking over it and actually there's a picture of it on Facebook. I can take the picture off if you want. You can go on your Instagram. 
I remember looking down at this shit, and it weren't just the shit, there was like the liquid that comes with the shit as well, like settled in the bottom of this Pringles tube. And it absolutely stunk because it had been cooking in this Pringles tube. So you picked it up and smelled it? No, I've, I stood over it, I looked over it, and the smell just hit me. And I was just gagging me back out. I just flew straight back in the room, went straight to the toilet. It was hanging. You physically threw up? No, I didn't throw up, but I was gagging. And I knew straight away who it'd be. And I weren't going to name drop him until he mentioned it himself, like, last week. So you didn't see him do it? No. But he left it purposely outside your room? Yeah. Do you think he did it hoping someone would pick it up, thinking, oh, I quite fancy a pringle. That's nice. Someone left us a snack. Well, I don't, I don't think he put the lid on it. I feel like it didn't have a lid on. Oh, mate, it was hanging. What happened to the Pringles tube? I don't know, you know. I feel like there was a bit of, let's go put it back in his room or something like that, but I don't think it ever materialised. Everyone knew it was Mike at the time. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah it's Mike out all in it. <laughs> Kyle loves his shit. Your angriest moment... Was your manager at work who gave you a bad performance review? How long ago was this? Um, it'd been about five, six years ago. So I'd have been about 22, 23. Is it the job you're in now? I was transferring from an old job into this job. And basically, because it was halfway through a year that I was changing, we do like performance reviews every six months. So my new manager had to go to my old manager for a performance review for those first six months. And, um, he came back and it was literally like a page and a half of just slagging me wrong. And I remember the manager called me to his office and was like, yeah, I've had your, your review off your old manager. And I was like, oh, all right, okay. You know, got, got on with him well. I'd left on good terms and all that. We never really had any issues with each other. And it was just a page and a half of him slagging me. And I remember reading it and he, he slid it over to me. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking shitless. And he, he like carried on on his laptop. Had you got the new job at this point? Had you already yeah, this was my new manager. So you already got the job, it's not like it's affected you yeah, getting yeah. the job? Yeah, yeah, Um I had the job, and I'd, I'd been in it maybe like a, a week, two weeks. Okay. So this is my new manager who's reading his page and a half about what my old manager's got to say about me. I remember reading through it, and I just remember like, because I was in front of my new manager, I just remember feeling like embarrassed and like fuming. Like, he was reading this absolute shit about me that half of it was pretty true but it just it was the way he went about it like he didn't say any of this like to my face or we never discussed any of this in our own meetings and one-to-ones and stuff like that it just almost like spat his dummy out because I'd changed teams and me changing teams would have looked bad on him because I was like an apprentice in that team like coming up and the idea is that you like you train your apprentices up to stay in your team to, to carry the mantle sort of thing and I'd left I reckon it probably looked shit on him. So he's just like, give me, give me a shit review. Bit of sly that, innit, to do it that way. It's exactly what it was, yeah. It was, I mean, I remember driving home after it and I was just getting livid on the way home. Got home and then like, I give it to my mum and dad, my mum and dad read it and they were like, that's bang out of order that. Do you remember what he said? Like, what words did he use? One of the main bit that I remember was like, I work in like cyber security and he was saying like, uh, cyber security clearly isn't one of his passions as as like say footballers or something like that and that's when I was like playing football cheap little dig that in it yeah three four times a week and I was like that's right it's not my passion I was like 23 like I'm not cyber security isn't my passion do you know what I mean it's my job at the end of the day and he was like got, cause going on saying it's like it's not a passion and you see you, you got on with your manager before this though yeah, never had any dramas with him at all. 
I'm no, always the older guy, or probably forties, forty, late thirties. Did you confront him about it? Um, I typed out a message and I spoke to. I got like um, a mentor in BT who like uh, speak to on the reg and yeah, gives me advice and stuff like that. I remember ringing him and he was like, "I feel like you just need to drop it," sort of thing. He was saying, "My new manager isn't going to take it into account when he gives me my end of year review." And he was actually saying that when he gave it me, he was like, listen, I don't believe any of it anyway. Like, you come in, you've made, like, a really good impression on everyone. Everyone's, like, looking up to him and stuff like that. He says, I don't believe any of it. I, I'm taking it as, like, a, you know, a, a shitty little review sort of thing. He said, don't worry about it. So I think that's probably the best thing to do. Like, I just sort of sat back, left it, and looking back, it, I feel like it was the right thing to do. How did you react to your new manager when he, was, when he read it out to you? Were you saying... Were you defending yourself or were you just saying this this isn't true? Well, he, he didn't read it out. He just slid it over to me and I read it in his presence. Like, Well, he'd already read it, though. He'd already read it, yeah. And um, I was just like... I just remember like shaking my head in disbelief and saying, like, that is such bullshit. And he, he just sort of like, supported me through it all. He was like, good with it. He might have knew what this manager was like, you know what I mean? And he's probably had a few of these before. Yeah. Um, yeah, he weren't great. Um, really good at his job, but not really so much of a people person. It's a bit like a reference, and I didn't think you were allowed to give a bad reference. You either give a reference or you don't. Yeah, well, so when you're changing jobs, that like from company to company sort of thing, that's probably right. But if it's like an internal shift, then you're always welcome to get a review of someone. I know, but still, you'd think if he was going to give you a bad one, you'd think he'd say, I'd rather just not give one mm. instead of giving you a bad but one. That's the thing, it's something he had to give me because it was. I spent my first six months of that year with him, so he was obliged to give me a review because it had to go down on like the HR system and all that. And you were never late or anything like that, or like no, a bad no. employee? Absolutely not, no. Not yeah. me, that Jeff. You definitely had uh, something against you then. Did it make you work harder, or did you just think, fuck it, I'm not going to try as hard now in this job? I know it was a different job. Uh, yeah, it was, after a bit, it was like water off a duck's back, but... Yeah, you just weren't bothered. Yeah, I used it as my angriest, because I remember at the time, like, I was... Absolutely livid. Have you ever spoke to him since? No, that's well. Like on the odd occasion, like when I got engaged, he messaged me on Facebook and I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you know, oh, congratulations." Did you reply? Yeah, I, I sort of tried to take the high horse sort of thing. I was like, "Oh yeah, cheers, Jeff." Yeah, I feel like that. Um, <laughs> was he called Jeff? No, <laughs> everyone's called Jeff. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like the odd thing here and there, and I've just been like, yeah, sound sort of thing. Do you forgive him? Yeah, it's water under a bridge, isn't it? Your scared moment was your dad's operation. Now, how old were you at the time? I think I was about, like, year seven, year eight. So about 11, 12. I think so. And what was the operation? To be fair, I could have been, like, year four, but I can't remember. Either way. What was the operation? It had, like, um, what we thought was, like, a bit of a heart attack, almost, where... Like, he, he weren't getting enough sort of oxygen to his brain from his heart um, for, like, having, like, high cholesterol and stuff like that. He'd had, like, a bit of a wobble. He got into the hospital and he said, like, you know, we need to, we're going to do this operation. And whether this is, like, factually correct or not, I remember him saying, or someone in my family saying, there's, like, a, a 2% chance that it won't be successful. And I just, like, 2% chance, you think, oh, I'll take my chances a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's... No, but it's your dad's life, though. Well, exactly, yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh, I just went underpants, like, waiting for him to have his operation, you know, waiting at home to see how, like, see how he did and stuff like that, 
remember just like crying at night, like thinking about it, you know, when it was coming up. So he had the heart attack this day and then went... heart attack, I don't know if it was an heart attack, but... But it all happened in one day. He, he had his problems with the heart and then went had his operation that day. No, so that had happened, I want to say the Monday or whatever. He'd gone to the hospital or the doctors about it. And then I think it probably would have been a couple of weeks, a few weeks after they right. had the operation. And did he show any signs of nervousness to you? Or was he putting on a brave so. face? Yeah. He would one age, your dad. Yeah, I don't think he'd, he'd do that, you know, try and sort of convey his emotions. He'd have just been like, yeah, yeah, sound, like, don't worry about it. <laughs> He'll have been hiding under his tash anyway, he wouldn't be able to see his emotions. <laughs> this is a sad moment, you can't make jokes. <laughs> what was your mum like during all this, do you remember? I think she was a bit like, you know, like, it'd be fine, be fine sort of thing. I don't remember, like, really confiding in anyone about it. So you don't know if she was really worried or not? No. Have you ever spoke to her about it since? No, I've not, you know. I've not. I nearly spoke to my dad about it before I come today. Um, I was on phone to me before and I nearly asked him about it, but I was still working and didn't really have the time. But I am going to speak to him about it, actually. And what was your brother and sister like? They're a little older than you. Again, I, I, I don't remember them being like really worried about it. That's making me think I was more like maybe year three, year four and a lot younger than them because they'd have been like a bit more mature. So how long did you have to wait before you heard it went well? You said you went to bed and you were crying because you obviously, you know, you didn't know what to expect. That was sort of leading up to the day of the operation, like, you know, for like the, or like the week building up to it. I just remember like thinking about it and like crying. But I remember sitting at home on the day of it, just sort of like waiting at home to find out how he'd gone. And how it got and stuff like that. Do you remember the moment you heard the news it went well? Yeah, I was buzzing me back out. Who told you? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I told you, mate. I yeah, I remember. But... No, I remember the relief of him like, being okay. Yeah. But not yeah. the exact moment of someone telling you. No. No, it weren't like a, one of them. Well, Mike Mooney is still with us, so his ticket can't be that bad. No. Um, he had a review with um, a heart doctor, heart doctor a few weeks ago and... He's actually doing like sort of really well. It was like really positive news, which is good. And this was about, would have been about 10, 10, 15 years, shit, 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. And he's, old, still, and he's still got the moustache. Yeah. No, it's a goatee now. He's, he's faded into a goatee. <laughs> Stylish. Yeah. Get with the, keep with the time, haven't you? Yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah. Your proud moment. Now, I know you said your proud moment was being proud of Jem when uh, James was born. And we'll get into that in a bit, but. Let's talk about Earl and FC and beat you. <laughs> so you play football at a decent level, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably all right. Semi-professional. Yeah. You know, it's better than most people. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. What position did you play? To be honest, mate, I was a bit of a John O'Shea. I was a bit of a utility. Yeah, I, mainly it was either sort of right wing. If you played 4-3-3, it was one of the front three on the wings. Had a bit of a spell in centre mid. Uh, played right back a few times. In fact, I think my very last game for Earlham was in the quarter final of the cup, and it was at right back. Were you not proud when you first got to play for Earlham? Um, this is your first taste of semi professional football, wasn't it? Yeah, but Earlham when I started, I, was, I think I was about 21. So when I left Earlham when I was like 24, 25, it was a completely different club. Like the funding and the stadium like what the stadium like the setup and the quality of training and coaching and stuff like that was completely different from starting to leave and so starting it, it was probably a bit like like yeah I was buzzing to be to be there sort of thing but it wasn't like something at the time I was thinking around like, oh wow I'm well proud sort of thing. Did you get scouted? No um I had uh, one of my mates one of my brother's mates that we worked with was good friends with a manager and said that he'd 
take me down and sort of you know meet some of the lads and that, which I did um, in like pre-season. Did all the pre-season and then started playing. How long did you play for Ireland? It was about five years. Uh, but the last year, it was going on to shift in my last year at Erlen that sort of killed it with like working weekends and it, because of the shift pattern it worked out that I could either train on like the Tuesday, Thursday or I, I could play. It was never like both of them together. So you're either training and not playing the game or you're playing the game without having trained for the week leading up to it. So it was, I found it really hard to like stay fit. And so you think you'd still be playing semi-pro if you didn't work these shifts? Yeah, I don't, I f- probably, yeah. I feel like as soon as I started working shifts, it just, my fitness just went downhill. Did you ever thought you could have made it pro? When I was younger it did, but, you know, who doesn't? I got, when I was leaving high school, my football manager at the time took me for, like, a, a trial at Morecambe. And at the end of the trial, like, I did alright in the trial, they offered me a place at Morecambe to play for them, like, to play for their, like, youth setup. And to like go college there and you know do like a like a B tech in sport or something like that at the time, and that was a big decision of do I go and move to Morecambe because I wouldn't wouldn't be able to like commute there not daily or whatever. I think it would have been like staying with the family there or something. Would I do that? I would have tried my chances sort of elsewhere. And I remember I was down to like the final twelve for a job at Kellogg's at the time. Oh. Fucking weird, I went and got it in there. <laughs> Fucking boat bar got it. Yeah, but did you yeah. the Ashley was the most proudest achievement you've done and Beardar was like, Well I've invented this. No, he had like fully serviced the boat engine by hand and drank the oil or something like that. And you said you scored a penalty. <laughs> no, it was a big penalty to be fair. <laughs> it was like your proudest achievement, I remember like just giving them a load of spiel about like I was taking a penalty and my dad was watching and I was like, Oh I bet you thought this is killing it this in this interview, didn't yeah. you? Walked out with Swagger and then got the did not succeed letter. Yeah, and then Beard. So, do you reckon Beard all got that job? Was it one job, one placement? No, I think there was three or four that were available. But yeah, I was got to. It comes up a lot, that story, and it makes me laugh every time Beard all brings it up. <laughs> it's always him who brings it up, no way. It's the guy who got the job. <laughs> Just going back to Ireland, what was the um, most important game you played for them? We didn't really have any like amazing cup runs when I was playing. So it had probably been the season we got promoted. Um, I think we came second, and, got, and it was like the top two got automatically promoted. So the games against the top team were Hanley, which is like near Stoke. The games against them that season were like mega. They were like big games. Um, or to be honest, just against anyone in the top sort of four or five. You know, when you, you're trying to get promoted, every game's like massive. I remember you telling me you played against Salford City once and the standard between you and Salford was mad. Yeah. Well, in the first season, we played basically Ireland played Salford, um, well, they used to, every year for like a, we call it the advertiser trophy, I think. And it's basically like a friendly in pre-season against two local teams who were both like in, the, in the Salford advertiser. I don't think they do it anymore just because like the massive gulf in difference. Well, I remember the first time I played Salford, Pricey was actually playing for his turn, turn quite a bit on this podcast, Pricey. Um, he was playing for Salford and I was playing for Earl and, and they beat us like 2-1 or 3-1 or something like that. And the season after, I think, was when they might have been bought out by the class of 92, or it might have been the season after. But I remember every season that we played them, for like the five seasons that I was there, 
it just got like better and better and better and better to like the point where I think the fifth season they, they basically were just playing like trialists in the games you know like they weren't really asked about it and we were playing like our best 11 and the golf in, in difference was like in standard was a joke how many times have you scored the winner though for Earlham or beat you I probably well to put it into perspective I probably might have got between like 10 and 15 goals a season so it weren't like not bad for a centre mid probably more like 10 <laughs> um, have you ever cost either team the game absolutely yeah <laughs> there's, a, oh, there's this story that I, I, Tim one of my mates and Pete oh, Tim you know Tim don't you I know Tim Um the story he loves to hear is um, playing for Earl and we were playing away in Newcastle for, I think it was, it was either the FA Cup or the FA Vars, which is like the FA Vars is the one, one below the FA Cup. And um, it was <laughs> away in Newcastle and it was nil-nil and um, we had a corner, attacking corner. And I stayed back like on the halfway line with one of the centre-halves like um, for covering that. And one of them cleared it. I remember it coming, like it went up and it was coming down with like snow on it. Uh, I was on like the edge of the D of the, the centre circle, if put in there half. I remember it coming down and I was thinking, right, I've got time here, I can either bring it down, you know, and try and start the attack. What a good first touch. Yeah, or, or I can maybe try and start the attack again, or I can just edit. <laughs> so I was like, oh, edit, mate. So I can't take the risk, I'll go and edit. So I jumped up, edited it. Working 50p head, flew off, flew off in all directions, <laughs> landed at the feet of like the striker or like this winger. So I was like, oh fuck. So striker gets it, takes it down like the left hand channel, left hand, left wing. So I'm chasing him like stride for stride and this guy is absolutely rapid and he's doing bits down the left and he gets towards the sort of edge of the area of our own area here. And uh, he shaped up to cross it with his left. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not having this. So I fling myself in front of it to make sure I get the block in. He chops inside on his right foot and <laughs> leaves me for dead, sliding off. Cuts inside on his right foot and bends it bottom bin. And that was to make it, I think that was to make it 1-0. And then about five minutes after that, I went for a 50-50 and got an absolute killer dead leg. And about 10 minutes after that, I, I, I literally couldn't run. I had to come off and we ended up getting beat like 2-1. Oh, mate. Did anyone say anything to you after the game? Did your manager have a go at you? I don't think anyone said anything directly after the game. I feel like Doddy, the manager, has is, is had a little jab after that, like when we've had a beer or something. And they were all thinking it, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was my way out, that one. <laughs> Do you still play? Um, no. I've, last year, I binned it off at Beecher. It was when James was about to be uh, born. And we've been out and out. I got more into mountain biking on the weekend than I had football. I was enjoying that more. And I was like, I can't really be doing both. Like, it's not fair on Jim, so... Well, let's, let's get into that. Your starting with your surprise moment was Jem's pregnancy test. So you and Jem, you were already married at this point. Mm. Were you trying for a baby? We were, yeah. But I bet you're thinking, like, well, why is it such a surprise then? But we were trying... And then I went away for the week in Birmingham to do like a training course. And I got back on the Friday after like a three or four hour commute, like a proper ball ache of a commute. And I feel like I was probably on over as well. Um, and I got home and I was absolutely fried. Went over to Jen, I was like, how are you doing? And uh, she whipped out like, it was like around Valentine's Day. And she was like, I got you a Valentine's Day present. I was like, oh, buzzing, I'll open it tomorrow. Because it was like the day before. 
She's like, no, no, you can open it today. I was like, all right, then. So, yeah, buzzing now, so. So she put, like, this box on the island in the kitchen, like a, a box with a bow on it. So lifted the lid off, and it was, like, a North Face T-shirt and a couple of bags of sweets on top. I was like, yeah, what's it in like, nice one. I think it might actually be this t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, oh, top one, nice one. So I was like, oh, thank you. She went, no, have a look. So I had another look. I like lifted the sweets up and underneath the sweets was the pregnancy test that said pregnant. So I was just like, I just turned to her and went, fuck off. She went, yeah. And I was just like, That's oh. like, shit. What did you do? Give her a big hug? Yeah, big hug. Might have been a... Cheeky tear or two. <laughs> you tears me? No, I don't cry. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you want to tell everyone straight away? Because you've got to wait three months, haven't you? So you usually wait for your 12-week scan before you tell anyone. How far along was she at this point? Did you know? Probably only three weeks or something, four weeks. Like, it was mega early. Probably two weeks, yeah. It's funny because this would have been... You know, February 2020, yeah, just yeah. before COVID started. And we, you and me were sat in the church in, and I was asking you about having kids in the pub. And Jem would have been pregnant at the time, but mm. you weren't allowed to say. Yeah, see, Jem, I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was dead hard not to tell anyone. Like, I remember with every pint that I had, I was gagging to tell you. And I was like, I just can't, because you hear the horror stories, don't you, of people who do tell people and, you know yeah well, you could, could have told me mate you could have given me a little wink over a pie of Amstel oh he giving me that Amstel at the church in yeah it's Carlsberg innit Carlsberg Amstel I've seen you then Amstel Moretta too dear for you then <laughs> mate them two pound Carlsbergs can't wait till that place reopens went farmers the other day did you yeah me and Verb farmers that's the to one at the Vicky Park top about and road yeah how was it decent mate yeah well this brings us on to your happiest moment Little Jimmy's arrival. Mm. So how old's Jimmy now? He was six months last week, or this week actually. Were you with Jen when she first went into labour, or did you get a phone call? So, because Jen's diabetic, it was a planned C-section. So they basically book a date in the diary and say this is when you're having him, sort of thing. If labour comes before that, then you obviously just go with the labour and. I think then you, you would possibly get like an emergency C-section, something that's not exactly planned. Whereas Jem just didn't want the, the drama of that. And obviously for other reasons, it was like, we'll do the planned C-section. So it was like the Monday morning that she was booked in for. Okay. And was it the Monday morning? Yeah. Was, yeah. Went there Monday morning. Um, so you were with her? Yeah. They only allowed one person in, like the partner. So I went into the theatre with her, then watched her get this absolute slong of a needle pricked into a back um, sent me green and then yeah half, half an hour 40 minutes later he was here to rewind a little bit because it was like an appointment wasn't it yeah so it's a bit, little bit different what was it like in the morning was it in the morning you said yeah, yeah so what was it like waking up in the morning like you know you're going to have the baby today what was your emotions were you nervous excited scared yeah. what were you feeling it was like going to bed on sort of Christmas Eve you know when you were a kid it was like the excitement did you sleep? Yeah, I probably slept all night. I was tired about them, mate. Did Jem sleep? Now. <laughs> um, Did Jem sleep? I don't think Jem slept because obviously Jem's the one going through it all. Had you had a beer the night before? Yeah, I think I had a couple of beers. <laughs> and yeah, we, I think we were booked in for nine o'clock, so we had to get there at like something daft about like half seven or something. 
do like a pre-op thing, answer, Gemma to answer all the questions. And then she was due to go under the knife. Uh, it, she got rolled into theatre at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, basically, he was, he was in theatre for about 40 minutes from start to finish. And were you allowed in the theatre, you said, yeah. at that point? But you weren't allowed in the hospital? For her appointments, I wasn't allowed in with her. I had to like drop her off. But then if she ever had like... Um, she didn't have a great pregnancy, to be honest. So a, a few times we were in the hospital while she had some checks done and things monitored and stuff like that. So when it was times like that, I was allowed in because I was obviously like... I was taking her in because she weren't well. But for the appointments and stuff, I weren't allowed in, no. Well, you cried at your wedding. Mm-hmm. Did you cry when he was born? Absolutely. balls my eyes out, mate. It was awful. For how long were you crying for? A good... Good five minutes, I reckon. Nice. I've like, I've not cried that much since I was a toddler. It's mad. Was it surreal knowing you were a dad though? Like when you first held him in your arms, what was that like? It was, it was mad. Like the the sort of moment of like we just sort of burst out crying was like you you basically under a C section. Gemma's lay there in all this gear, and like they put like a blue screen up, sort of like a, a midriff. So that you can't see anything past it, you know, while they're cutting her open and doing all that stuff. So we're just on this side of the screen, like, and just, like, talking to her. <laughs> she's like, she's asked, she's like, just, just talk to me, just say anything, because she's on, like, loads of drugs anyway. She's like, just try and take my mind off it. I remember t- talking to her about Oscar the dog. And I was, like, talking to her about, like, why he, he doesn't like peanut butter or something like that. <laughs> just making things just up. Just making things up. And I remember, like, the next day we were talking about, like, you're talking about Oscar and peanut butter and I was like yeah like what the fuck and then but yeah the point was that after we'd finished talking shit the woman was like are you, are you ready to see him so I'm like yeah and then like you hear his first sort of cry and then when, once they cry that's like the moment of you know he's okay because a lot of the time you can babies can come out and they don't cry and like they, they, they can be issues is that why this might be a bit of a myth but is that why the, the nurses used to slap the bum to make them cry Probably, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't know if that happens or not. I don't. I have no idea. Well, because I think sometimes it can come out and if they're not crying, it's like a concern. So, probably. So, when you're hearing, you're hearing cry and you can't even see him, you're just like, oh. You know, it's good. Yeah, it's like just emotion. And then they're like, are you ready? And it's like, you know, um, Lion King, like, there's a guy for the oldest baby. It was literally like, they dropped this curtain. There's this baby covered in shit. <laughs> and you're like, looking at this like ugly little alien baby, just like, bawling your eyes, like, oh, it's beautiful. And all this. But um, it was just but mate, that's so overwhelming. So overwhelming. And that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life, isn't it? Well, I took a lot of pictures of it. And um, like, it looks horrible because like, he's all like puffy and... And just covered in shit, but it's it's amazing feeling. It's surreal. You mentioned your dog, Oscar. You know I like to call him Barney, but we'll call him Oscar. What's James like with your dog? They both get on well. Yeah. Um, to be fair, Oscar's like really gentle around him. Like when we first brought him back, we were a bit concerned, sort of wondering how Oscar might react. Like, when would he be jealous? Would he see his ass? Would he be jumping around him and stuff like that? And literally from day one, he's been he's been mint with him. Well, traditionally, Gaz, I think you've done everything in the right order. You know, you've got married, got the house, got a dog, had a baby. You're living the dream, mate. I don't know, it's just happened that way. Like, obviously, we've like planned it to a degree, but 
it just it's probably the most logical sort of order, isn't it? Really, I mean, ideally, we'd like to live together a lot longer before like you get married because you know it's, it's part and parcel of getting to know each other, isn't it? Living with each other. And as it happened, I think we we moved in in like March, and we got married in May. So it was like it was a quick turnaround from moving in, but yeah, and then we thought let's get an Oscar dog. Yeah, well, congratulations on it all, mate. I'm proud of you. Thank you. But yeah, we've uh, we've really rushed through that because United are on in the background and you keep turning your head all the way through. <laughs> I couldn't concentrate. I'll... <laughs> I don't think you could either. It's a big game, mate. It's a big game. Well, that's the end then, mate. Do you have any wise words? Um, do you know what? I don't have... One of my wi- what my wise words were going to be was something that my dad's always said to me. Growing up, like, if I've had interviews and, and going to important events and stuff like that, and I'd, I'd be asking him, like, you know, oh, when should, when should I get the train or when should I do this? And he'd be like, listen, son, you can always be early. Being early is not a problem, but you can't be late. And that's just always, like, stuck in my head. Because, like, when Gemma's asked me stuff like that, I've just been like, well, you can be early, you know, there's no dramas, you can be early. But you can't be late, so do the first option, sort of thing. And that's always stuck with me. But then, I also read something today on Twitter that I thought people need to know this. And that is, it's a little story here where uh, a guy's tweet saying, a dog went missing last night and the owner was advised to put an item of clothing down where it became lost, like where the last time she saw the dog, sort of thing. People searched for the dog, couldn't find it anywhere. Then, at first light in the morning, the dog was found sitting on that coat that had been left where it had last been seen. I thought this was good advice and maybe worth sharing. So, there it is. You've shared it. Nice one, mate. No problem. Cheers for coming on. I enjoyed it, thank you. No worries.